The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. So my very dear friends, don't get thrown off course. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. These gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There's nothing deceitful in God. Nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using, true, using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us the way you do and meeting us in our dark and lonely places and foreseeing us as your true crowns. I pray that um, as Randall comes forward to share today's message with us that uh, you illuminate in only the way that you can, that you fill the gaps between our thoughts and your true meaning and your words and that you prepare our hearts and our minds to receive you. And in your mighty son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bella. Well, good morning. Uh, My name is Randall. I'm the lead pastor of Grace City. And uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this church family. I know last week Trevor preached, um, and I heard he did a fantastic job. We've been in this series uh, in the book of James. And before we jump into that, um, you know, I want, I want us to know that there are people um, all over that are praying for this church. Uh, I was just in Hawaii this past week with my family because my grandfather passed away, and so we had the funeral. And there's this little church that my grandmother's gone to for years, uh, Kaneohe Congregational Church, older people in this church, but they love Jesus, and they made sure to tell me that they have been praying for us and for this church. Um, So again, there are people all over that are praying for you, and I'm just thankful for this church family being able to be a part of it. Um, So we've been in this series in the book of James, and uh, for the past month, we've been studying this book, uh, and James... Uh, if you don't know who he is, he is technically the half-brother of Jesus uh, and the leader of the Jerusalem church. Uh, He was highly respected in the early church, and uh, he offers us in this book very practical, uh, Christ-centered wisdom for life. Uh, Many throughout history love the book of James because it's honest, real, and straight to the point. And so what's James been pointing us to the past few weeks. Here's what he's been pointing us to. That life is hard. It's hard. And he doesn't sugarcoat it. He he says, you will face trials of various kinds. And when you live life long enough, you know that that's true. And so according to James, how do we get through it? Well, today our text is James 1, 16 through 18. And here's the message. The message is entitled, Living Unstuck. Living Unstuck. 
Let me start today by asking you a personal question. And maybe you haven't thought about it much, but I want you to think about it now. Do you feel stuck in life right now? Maybe it's a temptation, an addiction, a trial you're going through, a challenge or an obstacle to your faith. Maybe it's a dryness spiritually where you feel distant from God. In January 2016, Paul Maxwell wrote an article entitled, A Place to Start for Spiritually Stuck People. And here's what he says. I'm spiritually stuck. We are stuck people. We get distracted, pulled down, undone. God feels distant and irrelevant. Dane Ortland says, you are not abnormal, so relax. We all go through this from time to time. Seasons of spiritual darkness are common. Even when they pretend, even when we pretend they're an anomaly. Even when indifference pirates our most pious intentions and we uh, surrender ourselves to isolation and our lack of holy zeal, don't be deceived. Gloom in the Christian's heart is common. It does often look and feel different for different people. Day after day, sermon after sermon, small group after small group, we're discouraged and frightened by the widening gap between the desired self and the real self. And so you might ask this question to yourself often. Why do I keep falling into blank? Fill in the blank. What is that blank? See, being stuck, feeling like you're caught in the mud can be complicated. But James makes the starting place for us very clear. In verse 16, James says this, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Deceived by what? Lies. Lies. You see, many of us live life believing lies about God, about ourselves, about others, and about the world we live in. And James comes to us breaking down how we can be deceived when facing trials and temptations. Because those can be some of the most difficult moments in life. And so our text again is James 1, 16 through 18. And on this text, David Platt gives us a helpful perspective that sets us up well as we study this passage. Here's what he says. So what do we do during trials and temptations? The very time when we are so prone to fix our eyes on our circumstances that we miss what God has in store. What do we do in the midst of temptations when we are so prone to be dragged away and enticed by the desires that are at the core of our lives? We remember that God is faithful for salvation. You see, what do we do when we're deceived? We put our eyes on our circumstances rather than on God. And so how does this happen? Well, James tells us it's when we take our eyes off of the truth about God and we start believing lies. And he gives us three ways that we can get stuck because of this. And so here are all three ways. 
It's when we don't see life as a gift. Secondly, God as unchanging. And third, it's when we don't see our new life. And so the first one is life as a gift. Look at verse 17. Here's what it says. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Let me ask a question. When was the last time you thought to yourself, life is a gift from God? When you wake up Monday morning, do you think to yourself, I can't wait for the day. Life is a gift. I can't wait to start Monday morning off right. See, in the middle of trials and temptations, let's be honest, most of us do not naturally think to ourselves, life is a gift. No, we think, why am I going through this? I don't deserve another Monday morning like this. I deserve better. But James encourages us and says, stop, think, reflect. Here's the thing about the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell us that we deserve a better life. It actually tells us that we deserve far worse. But God is tremendously gracious and gives us what we don't deserve. You see, James, in the middle of the struggle says, don't be deceived. Remember, everything good you have in life is from God. This life and every breath that you have, it's all from above. It's not from you. Look at what he says. It's, it's, it's coming down from the Father. And it's coming to you as a gift. It's undeserved and unearned. It's purely God's grace on our lives that we have another day. See, something happens when you start to think like this. Your perspective starts to change. Everything good becomes a gift of grace. A couple of weeks ago, there was a young man that came into our church, 24 years old. He'd been living on the streets for a few weeks. And he came here seeking help. And so we talked with him and got him set up with a hotel room. I found something online and I took him over to this hotel. And as we were pulling in, he looked at me, he says, this is the nicest place I've ever stayed in my life. Nicest place. Now this is right off the eight, hotel circle, hotel. But he said to himself, this is the nicest place I've ever stayed. He had been on the streets for a few weeks, but his perspective was different. He saw that night at that hotel as a gift. See, I, I could take many of us there and we would not have rated that hotel a five-star hotel on Yale. We would not say, yeah, this is the greatest place I, I've ever stayed. But when you've stayed on the streets for a few weeks 
and you go to this place, your perspective changes. It changes how we see things. And so let me ask this, behind the gifts of life that we get as they're coming to us, I mean, what do we see coming at us? And where do we give credit? Because here's the thing about God. His intention is that we don't see the gift, but the gift giver. He wants us to see the one behind the gift, not just the gift itself. And so when we come into life and when we come and we get good things in life, do you say to yourself, wow, I'm just a really lucky person. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. I was just a little smarter and more prepared than other people. I'm pretty gifted and I guess I just had more opportunities. Ultimately, I earned everything I have and I deserve all the credit for that. Is that how we live life? Is that how we enter the day? Because James says, don't be deceived. Look at your life. Look at all that you have. It's a gift from God. It's grace. And so give glory to God for everything that you have because ultimately we don't deserve it. Our perspective should shift. Secondly, we are deceived when we don't see God as unchanging. God is unchanging. So look at the second part of verse 17. It says, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So talking about God, there's no variation or shadow due to change. James is now talking about the character of God. Now we talked about this before. James points us to good theology. He points us to thinking about God. What, what do we think about God? Who is God? And he points us and says, okay, look at the character of God. He doesn't change. He's consistent. You see, trials change. Temptations vary. Each day entails something new. And so what is the one constant in life? It's God. That's why the scriptures call God our rock. He's solid. And James points this out in a couple of ways. So he says, verse 17, the father of heavenly lights. James, when he says this, is pointing out God's unchanging sovereignty and power. See, God is the one who placed every star in the sky. He's the all-powerful, glorious God who reigns over every corner of the universe. Abraham Kuyper once said, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. God owns it all. And he placed every star in the sky. See, God is sovereign over all things. And so that's the first part of what we need to get from this as he says, he's the father of heavenly lights. But there's a second part that as powerful as God is, he is dependable to you and me. Again, he's unchanging. God's love and dependability and faithfulness to us doesn't change. 
Does that blow you away? About who God is? Here's how King David says it in Psalm 8, verses three and four. He says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. See, as as David thought of God's magnificent power, beauty, of all that he created, David looks at himself and says, God, how can you look at me and care about me? That's a good question, right? Hold on, God, you care about me? This should amaze us. So does it amaze you that God is unchanging in his power, his care, and his love towards you? See, don't be deceived. Don't, don't be deceived when, when circumstances change and they vary because they will. But keep your eyes set on the unchanging God who is constant through everything. He is an all-powerful God who cares. Lastly, James says we are deceived when we don't see our new life, our new life. So here's what he says in verse 18. He says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James tells us now to remember a few important aspects of our new life in Christ And so here's what he points out. He points out, number one, it's beginning. Look at verse 18 at the first part of it. It says this, of his own will, he brought us forth. And so here's what he's saying. God chose you. God pursued you. God brought you in to the family. He called you. He gave you life. Today, if you can say, I am a Christian, it's because of God. And he says, I have given you a new life. See, he has made you alive. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says this, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Do you want to know the message of Christianity? It's not that we called ourselves in and became Christians, but it's that God called us in and says, I'm calling you into a new life. He didn't call you to follow a couple principles here and there to make you a better person. He called you and said, you were dead And I'm gonna call you out of the grave and make you a new person. You have a new life in Christ. You're not the same person you were before. Don't be deceived. He's saying you're a new person because of Jesus. This is what defines you now. When I was in high school, we had a youth leader, tall, skinny guy, heart of gold. uh, People called him Noodle. 
because he kind of looked like a noodle. Like he was just tall and lanky and called him noodle. And I remember asking one day, I said, how did he get that name? You know, like, like who started calling him noodle? And apparently somebody uh, who knew him back in second grade came to the church, saw him there, and remembered this old name, this old nickname that people had called him. Uh, back in second grade, they called him Noodle. And so he said, hey, what's up, Noodle? And everybody at the church started calling him Noodle. And here's the thing. He was my leader, and I loved him. And I didn't know his real name. And I said, hey, what's your real name? <laughs> I know everybody calls you Noodle, but what's your real name? He said, Derek. I said, what do you think about that nickname? He says, I hate it. I hate it. He said, I can't believe that it followed me back here at church. And so me and my friend started a movement and said, hey, his name's not Noodle, it's Derek. Call him Derek. That's his name. And here's the thing. As Christians, many of us are walking around with old names. Old nickname, old things that we used to do in our past. We say that that was, but here's the thing. James says, don't be deceived. You have been born into a new life. You actually have a new name. Your new name, son or daughter of the king. That's your new name now. I know maybe people might try and call you the past name that you used to have, but God has given you a new one. He's given you birth in Christ. And so you are a new creation in him. James says, don't forget that. You're called into a new life. There's a beginning for you in Christ. The second part is it's means. Look, look again at, at verse 18. He says, the word of truth. Remember, we were talking about lies. Now he says, the word of truth comes in. Sam Alberry, uh, commentator on this text, says it like this. He says, the new birth has come by the word of truth. The birth of sin and death came as a result of our listening to our evil desires. This has come through our coming under the word of God. So powerful is the message of Jesus that it can penetrate us, grip us, and make us into a new people. What holds you in Christ? It is the message of Christ, him saying, you're mine. I've saved you. I love you. See, you have been saved through hearing and receiving the good news of Jesus, that he's died for your past present and future and he's given you a new life in him and here's what happened the, the third part is there's an effect that happens verse 18 ends with this that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures now James reminds us of this trials and temptations are not the end for you they don't define you you're going to go through them, but they don't define your life. Because God, through his power and grace, redefines us and makes us new people in the midst of our challenges. 
You see, in Christ, our sins and hardships are not the end of the story. There is an end goal that God has for you that's filled with new life, not death. And so do you believe that? Or are you stuck? Are you being deceived? Let me ask three questions, just some takeaways for us as we try and process this for our lives. So the first question is this, do you see every day as a gift? Do you see every day as a gift? Are you living by God's grace or are you taking life for granted? See, uh, one of the ways that I see myself taking life for granted is when I grumble. It's under my breath. Sometimes it's in my head, but just grumbling, sitting in traffic, standing in line, being cut off. You notice that most of these have something to do with driving. And here's the thing. Sadly, I've seen my kids now start to grumble with impatience, sitting there in traffic. Hey, hurry up. And here's the thing. I had this moment this week where my son, I was taking him to his class and, um, and he's like, come on, hurry up. I'm going to be late. He's talking to the cars in front of him. And we had this talk, right? And here's what the talk was. It was a transition from grumbling to grace. I have to remind myself of it all the time. See, we sat in traffic and I looked at him and I said, son, what if this actually is a gift from God? This traffic right here that we're sitting in right now. What if it's his grace? What if he's protecting us from something ahead that we don't see? because of this traffic right now that we're sitting in. You see, I remember driving my kids home for the first time as they were little babies. And I drove home so cautiously. And I saw everyone on the road as a precious life. I remember it vividly because I just watched the birth process and saw that my kids were a precious gift from God. I was in awe. And I saw that every life was a gift. You see, there has to be a shift in the way that we start to see life. And so do we see every day as a gift? Do we see people as a gift? Or do we get deceived and fall into the trap of grumbling and griping because it's an act of God's grace and saying, God, help me to see the truth of what's around me. Give me a different perspective. And so do you see every day as a gift of grace from above? The second question is this, do you see God as unchanging? See, many times what happens is we are controlled by the roller coaster of our emotions and not by the unchanging truth of the gospel, of who God is. 
And I came across this past week a, a blog from one of our members, Wheeler Krim. And here's what the blog is entitled. It's, it's when life gives you lemons. And it, and it talks about this in particular. And so I want to read a portion of it. Here's what it says. I have been in some of the lowest places this past year, emotionally, relationally, mentally, circumstantially, financially. Seriously, there have been days where I have cried out and I've yelled and screamed and doubted out loud and I have questioned if God even exists. I've been so angry or worked up that the only thing that calms me down is running till I can't anymore. But Jesus has never changed. Even when I have failed him, he has provided in abundance. He has gone out of his way to prove himself to me when I honestly should know better by now. He never wags a finger. He never shrugs my feelings away, never invalidates my anxiety, even as he takes it on himself. He never gets tired of hearing about the same heartache, heartache over and over again. He is not disappointed in me when I have a really hard day and it takes everything in me not to melt down at the sight of my own inadequacies. He's so much more gracious than I can put into words. I imagine I have failed to even recognize countless signs of his grace every day. Do you see an unchanging God in the midst of the difficulties that you're facing? He's there. And lastly, do you see yourself how God sees you? Here's the thing. We are a work in progress. A work in progress. And so there are gonna be days when you look in the mirror and you think to yourself, how could God love me? He knows me. He knows what I've done. How could he love me? But the beautiful thing is, it's not a surprise to God that we are a work in progress. And here's the great part about God. God never stops working on us. He's constantly at work on you and me. And he is faithful to finish that work. Don't be deceived. He never gives up on his children. Second Timothy 2.13 says something amazing. He says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. When we're faithless, when we're struggling, when we're hurting, don't be deceived because he, God, remains faithful through it all. And so, do you see yourself how God sees you? His beloved child who he'll never give up on. How do we get stuck in life? It's when we start to believe the lies. But how do we get unstuck? It's when we start to see the truth. And here's the ultimate truth that Jesus was stuck for you and me. You see, Jesus was stuck with all of our sins. He was stuck with all of our pain. He was stuck with all of our mess. And it took him all the way to the cross where he paid for every last one of them. 
And so no longer do our sins define us, our pain define us, our mess define us. But we can live in the truth that comes only through the word of God, God's word, his truth, his voice. You see, and because of Jesus, it's through his guidance and protection that he will see us through to the end and he will be with us every step of the way. And so my encouragement today, are you stuck? James makes it clear. Look into the face of Jesus and first see that he is enough. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that it's not just words that you loved us with, but it was your action. It was you paying the ultimate price on the cross for our sins. And I pray that today you will help us to see that, to see that you love us, to see that you care. And I pray through your grace that you help us to get unstuck whatever we're facing in life right now. Help us to see that you're an all-powerful God who placed every star in the sky, yet you're a God who looks down on little old us and says, I care about you. Thank you, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.